Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. In Psalm 57, David is hiding in a dank cave pursued by men who would destroy him. He's in the middle of a 10-year season of flight from a vengeful king. He calls this time the time of the disaster or the calamity. Disasters come and thrust us into caves of doubt and fear and alienation and great loss. But in that cave, David found a reason to trust in God and even a reason to dream of exultingly praising God for deliverance. And David got to that point by rehearsing the attributes of God, by encouraging himself in all that the Lord was to him. He saw God as merciful, and he saw God as tender, that whatever he was experiencing was not the full extent of what he deserved, and he was still left with a merciful God, and with a God who, though all-powerful, was open to tenderly receiving David and letting David tuck his life away into him. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms and turn to Psalm 57. I think what we'll do is I'll read it to you and then I'll pray. But I'll make a couple of introductory remarks to the passage. If you look at the passage, you see that it's organized basically at two points. The first half is an expression of confident trust in God. Confident trust that you'll see in the midst of a tremendous crisis, in the midst of a what's called a calamity here in the New King James. I think it's in the New American Standard Version. It's called destructive storms or something along those lines. Confident trust of God in the midst of the destructive storm. And then the second half is an expression of determined praise. Confident trust, determined praise. The real question we want to answer is, how did the author, who is David, come to the point of confident trust and determined praise when you consider his circumstance and his situation. And that's what we'll discover this morning. But first, let's read the passage. To the chief musician, set to the tune of Do Not Destroy, a mictum or mystery song of David, when he fled from Saul into the cave. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge." until these calamities are passed by. I will cry out to God Most High, to the God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and shall save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth His mercy, that is, His loyal love, the word there is hesed, and His truth, or it can be translated His faithfulness. My soul is among lions, I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They prepare a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. Selah. My heart is steadfast. The word here is resolved. My heart is resolved. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. That word there, glory, is really 
my image, being made in the image of God. Awake that which is in me, which is a reflection of the image of God. Awake my soul, he's saying. Awake lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches to the heavens and your truth or faithfulness unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Here is the one basis upon which you can cry out to God for mercy and grace, and God is compelled to respond in mercy and in grace. Because I'm completely trusting in you. I'm not claiming any merit of my own. I'm not claiming any innocence on my own part. I'm not claiming that somehow, God, you owe me. Cosmically, somehow, this world needs to give me what I deserve. No, God. I'm throwing myself completely on you. I'm trusting in you. God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. God can't help but respond to that basis for the plea. It's what he's designed and what he's desired all along. And mercy and grace come flooding in. It's what the hymn writer wrote. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All could never sin erase. Thou must save and save by grace. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I'll die. Mercifully, God responds on that basis. God's mercy can be yours if you'll not defend yourself, but lay yourself down in complete and utter surrender into his arms for safekeeping. Here's another thing that David sees. We're going to have to next week continue in this, but let me give you one more and then we'll continue in this revelry of this nature of God. But David also appeals to the tender care of the all-powerful God. Second, he appeals to the tender care of the all-powerful God. He encourages himself with the thought and the idea that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the harsh, hot breath of the enemy coming upon him, he fills his mind with the thought of the soft, feathery tenderness that the all-powerful God expresses and extends to his own. This is completely different from any other pagan deity in David's day and in our day as well. They're gods of fear. They're gods that are an extension. They're creations of individuals' imaginations that are formed out of a way of somehow controlling and compartmentalizing their own lust and their own passions and their own desires. And so the gods that they project out of their lust and their passions and their desires and their longing to have strict that they can pull to satisfy themselves are gods who subjugate them through those lusts and those passions and those desires. Gods who enslave them. Gods who extort them for blessings. Vengeful gods and angry gods and gods that pour out destruction upon the earth if they don't mollify them and satisfy them. 
In fact, all the idols that you construct in your life will do the exact same thing. Initially, you'll think that they're friends and they're idols that you'll serve and things you'll live for, but eventually they'll claim your life and they'll crush your life. The God that presents himself here is nothing like that. The God of Israel, the God of Jacob, our God, the all-powerful God of heaven and earth, extends himself to us in the midst of his power like a hen that would gather his chicks under his wings. Think about that. The all-powerful, awesome God who is the God of God and King of kings and Lord of lords whom the earth shakes before in his presence, the unveiling of his name, comes before us. And David in this pursuit as a hen that would take chicks under his wings. Actually, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, Ruth has left the land of Moab to return with her mother-in-law, Naomi, after her husband and Naomi's son has died. She is determined to live with Naomi. And there, giving her life to support and be with her mother-in-law, she comes and encounters a man by the name of Boaz who takes mercy upon her and offers a blessing to her. And the blessing is found in verse 12 of Ruth 2. It says, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. Speaking of her loyalty to Naomi, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Here is this single gal with her widowed mother-in-law who has no source of support in the land that's dominated by the men of the country, who's a foreigner in a strange land, and he says, may the God of Israel come and take you and bless you as you take refuge under his wings. The Lord Jesus expressed this in his own divine nature. He spoke in a way to reveal that he was God, the all-powerful God, and yet the sustaining God of safety as well in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. He is speaking judgment to the nation of Israel. He is speaking God's justice and wrath upon the nation of Israel that's going to come upon them for their sins. But then he says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing You know the word there is? You would not trust me. You came up with all your conventions and your plans and your laws and your legalism and you put to death those who told you to turn back to God and come under His wing. I would have taken you, but you would not trust me. You were not willing. So now in the midst of the storm, David recalls that God is tenderly disposed to His children. So often when we're in struggles and when we're in difficulties and when everything seems to turn against us, we repulse against it. We begin to feel the fact that it's unfair or not just or not right. Or we feel as though we've been caught in a trap of our sins, but we're not repentant. We're still resistant. And so we thrust our anxiety and our anger. We identify God in that attitude. And we think to ourselves, God is just an angry God. God is just getting back at me. God, why does nothing ever work out for me? We bring accusations against him as if God were angry and as if God were vindictive or taking pleasure somehow in our misery. And all the while, in the midst of the storm, God is lifting up his wing, inviting us in. Come here. 
This is my plan and my desire. How do we make our way to that place? Trusting in Him, saying, God, be merciful to me. Not justifying yourself, not explaining to God over and over again why it's not your fault that this is happening to you. By saying, God, be merciful to me because I trust in you. And come underneath His sheltering wing. Well, we'll go on from here next week. But let's start right there. Let's start to retrieve this song of rejoicing, the song of victory and praise. Let's start to retrieve a confident trust in the midst of our trials. And I think right now there are those of you who know trials and difficulties and challenges. Right now, let's come to the point of confident trust and also come to the place of resolved praise in the midst of those things by turning ourselves into the mercy of God and to a sheltering prayer. A mercy and shelter that was opened up for us at the cross where Christ spread out His hands, allowed Himself to be nailed to bear our sins and to take upon Himself the wrath, the just, righteous wrath of God against our sins and invited us to come underneath the shelter of His provision. Let's pray. We thank You, Heavenly Father, for the unimaginable hurricane of destruction and ruin that swept in upon our Savior as He hung upon the cross. Indeed, not anything He deserved, but becoming sin for us, becoming sin for us, and bearing that wrath and that judgment and that torment and that agony for each one of us and taking our position and crying out, This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.